Duke Energy offers these three tips for understanding your bill. The first step to keeping your bill in check is understanding what's on it. Here's what to look for. Check the number of days in your billing cycle. Most bills cover 30 days, but sometimes it varies. Bills that cover more days can be higher. Look at average kilowatt hour use per day. At first glance, your bill may look higher, but if your average use is similar to the same time last year or similar to another month with extreme temperatures, it's a normal bill. If you have a smart meter, check for a daily usage analysis tool online. Smart meters collect info by the hour, so you can check for spikes in energy use to see what appliances and behaviors are increasing your bill. This public service announcement is sponsored by Duke Energy. Duke Energy presents Connecting Counties with your host, Gus Piercy. A look at the economical, social, and educational decisions being made in Hendricks and surrounding counties and how they affect one another. And now your host, Gus Piercy. Thanks uh, for joining us for Connecting Counties. Uh, Today we're talking about uh, the Central Indiana Land Trust. And my guests today are Board of Directors member, Kurt DeVoe of the Central Indiana Land Trust. He is an environmental compliance and litigation lawyer from Plews, Shadley, Racher, and Braun, and the executive director of the Central Indiana Land Trust, Cliff Chapman. Uh, Thanks, guys, for being here today. And let's start off with what is the Central Indiana Land Trust? Well, we're a nature preservation organization. We're a not-for-profit based in Indianapolis, and we work throughout the central third of Indiana. And how long have you been around? Uh, We were formed in 1990 by really a group of concerned citizens. It was a very grassroots uh, start. Um, There were folks living in central Indiana that felt there was a need to save these uh, little natural remnants uh, from being developed or being destroyed or being cleared. And... um, it was really, it was a, there was a meeting in the uh, War Memorial building in downtown Indianapolis that was advertised huh. in the paper. Huh. And anybody interested, come. And people, sh- there was a show of hands at that meeting. This is in 1989. There was a show of hands if they thought they would support a local land trust. And now people raised their hands that, that we got formed. So my idea of a land trust is kind of like a parks department for conservation. It's uh, for, for us, and, it, and it, it varies across the country. There's about 1,700 land trusts or land conservancies in the United States, and a lot of them are uh, very ranch-focused in the West um, or maybe even in, uh, in New England area, like in Massachusetts. Uh, there's town land trusts that are literally saving small pieces of green space in small villages in Massachusetts. In Indiana, um, because we have so little public land, we have so little um, uh, nature protected, most of the land trusts, not all, but most of the land trusts, like the Central Indiana Land Trust, preserves uh, natural areas. So we're really plant and animal focused, um, but then where appropriate, we put in uh, trails and parking lots and open our sites to the public uh, free of charge. Kurt, how uh, you actually own land? The trust owns the land, and how many pieces of land do you own? And we, we do own land. We don't always own the land. Okay. Um, sometimes we are the custodians, effectively, for a conservation easement. 
Um, so the land may be owned by someone else, but we're the ones who protect that easement. Um, I don't know how many lands we, we own now. You, you'll know, Cliff, how many acres we own. It's a lot. Yeah, and it's, it's increased a, a lot over the last couple of years. Yeah, and it's about half and half of what we own and what we have uh, conservation easements or conservation agreements on that total about 5,500 acres. So, real quick, a conservation easement, does that means it can't be developed? What does that that's, mean? That's a great question. It is a restriction that's placed on land, which requires that it be maintained to promote conservation values. And that can vary from state to state. It's set up by a state statute. And the private landowner agrees to place the restriction on the land, but then there has to be some third party who can actually enforce that, basically protect that uh, property for those values. Sometimes that's the Department of Natural Resources. Sometimes that's a land trust. And we, we do that quite frequently. So we're the entity that will go in and make sure that the property is being protected. We may even go in and improve it sometimes. Um, so that's, it's, it's an easement, but it's really a restriction. Why, why would somebody do that? Why wouldn't they just keep their land and not let anybody do anything? Well, you it's, get off of my front yard. Right. It, it, if they want to preserve their land, but they want to continue to use it, for example, okay, um, they might agree to place an easement on part of the property while they're farming the rest or while they're hunting the rest um, or even hunting the area where there's a conservation easement. And does the Indiana DNR, does the Indiana DNR do anything like that, or, are you, or is, it, is it basically left up to land trust? So in, in actuality, a lot of the um, properties that we own, as a, there are private properties that we own and manage as nature preserves, the Indiana DNR holds a conservation easement over us. And so if uh, folks... Is that by uh, state law? Yes. So you know, it was created by you, state law. It's not required to be that way. Okay. But. So think about if, if you're if you're uh, driving along the road and you see someone with a license plate that's the blue license yeah. plate with the bald eagle on it, that uh, those funds uh, help protect land in the state of Indiana. And uh, one thing that's I I mean I I I'm born in Indiana and I've lived here most of my life and I I love Indiana. And something we do differently than most other states that have funds, even though we don't have a lot of funds, we, we could use a lot more. Um, That's something, funds, funds with a DS. Yes, <laughs> funds. Um, uh, we, we share it equally. And so other states might have more dollars available, but keep it all within the government to own and to purchase land. Uh, for public lands. Indiana, uh, there's private land trusts, there's towns, there's counties, and state DNR all go to the same board and uh, put in kind of grant applications for that funding all together equally. Oh. And I think it's amazing hmm. uh, that there's no point system that values private land uh, over and above or less than government land. Um, which again, I think is a model that the rest of the country could learn from. And so, but with that though, if we, the, if the central Indian land trust goes and gets land, like to help purchase, uh, Meltzer woods, we, we, uh, purchased a, the last old growth forest that was not protected in the state of Indiana a few years ago. Where it's, is that? It's in Shelby County, Southeast oh. of Shelbyville. Oh, yeah. And it's now, um, it's a, uh, national landmark designated by the national park service. 
has been for over 40 years. Um, and now it's a state dedicated nature preserve. So it has protections held by the state of Indiana, but we as a private land trust own and manage it. Uh, there's a parking lot, there's a trail, um, and we're working on some interpretation uh, for the site. So you can have a self-interpretive uh, hike as you walk through. But so the state of Indiana holds an easement on the land trust in that case. So it, it can it, it does get a little bit of confused a little bit confusing, but the the main thing is is um, there's different tools that we can use to make sure that the land is permanently protected. I just was thinking if somebody had I don't have a lot of land, but if somebody did and they wanted to preserve it, what would be their first first step? first choice would be to donate the land. If someone really wants to hit a home run, donate the land okay. to an entity like the Central Indian Land Trust. Okay. And let Central Indian Land Trust then manage, own and manage that land, right? I mean, that's that's the best situation. Um, the, the second best would be something like a conservation easement. It goes even beyond that. We get donations of land that have little or no conservation value, but they're given to us so that we can sell them and use the proceeds to uh, promote conservation. Oh, yeah. So you would take a parking lot. We might. <laughs> <laughs> Only if we can sell it. Yes. Only if yes. we can sell it. But, okay, but so the idea behind a land trust is conservation. Is that always the case, or is it just mostly central Indiana land trust that I, does? I think uh, for it, it's always land conservation, okay. no matter where you are in the United States. Uh, and this is a very American uh, ideal. Uh, for the central Indiana land trust, we're very focused on high-quality natural areas. So, um, well, and Kurt actually has, Kurt has the mission statement. I, uh, I do. Our, our, our very, uh, <laughs> our very perky and easy to remember mission statement. And, and we, we call ourselves Silty because we're actually the Central Indian Land Trust Incorporated. And Silty sounds better than Silt. So Silty <laughs> preserves the best of Central Indiana's natural areas to benefit plants and animals and allow Hoosiers to experience the wonder of the state's natural heritage today and into the future. Working with willing landowners, which is what we're talking about, mm -hmm. we purchase, manage, and or legally protect lands with natural and social significance. That's a broad-ranging statement. There are a lot of elements to that, but that one we were just talking about, we're working with willing landowners. We're right. not, we don't run around taking land. That's not what we do. Okay. Um, we work with people who want to put their lands into some form of conservation. Um, but we're and we're, we're focused on the highest value lands. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones we really want to protect, and we have a process for trying to identify those. But again, we don't always limit ourselves to those properties. Now, what kind of stuff do you do on the land when you get it? Now, I know that there's Burnett Woods in Avon, uh, and you, then you mentioned the Shelbyville one. What? Are, how big are some of these plots? Are they really small? Are they huge? It, I mean, it, it varies, and uh, the way we're working uh, moving forward is um, having a kind of building or aggregating properties. So like where Meltzer Woods uh, Preserve is 60 acres, and we're working on um, getting a purchase agreement for an additional 39 acres to adjoin that. And then That's we'll pretty continue. big. Well, and it's one of our smaller ones uh, oh, okay. at this point. We, but we're, we, have, we're some, we have some very to, large properties. Yeah, we're, we're continuing to make those great sites bigger and better. Um, down in uh, Johnson County and Southern Johnson County, we have two nature preserves with a conservation easement that are all adjoining each other that are about 700 acres if you add them all together. Wow. And we're working on a purchase agreement on another 129 acres 
uh, to be part of that. So we're going to be we're going to hit about a um, a thousand acres in not too long. I guess I always thought Burnett Woods was pretty small. Is it is it small compared to? I mean, the thing about Burnett Woods is um, now it's, where it it's is, in Avon and it's like off of 100 South right. County Road, 100 South, and it is open to visit. Yeah, it is. Okay, yeah. Yeah, all a, these lands open to visit. Not all of them, but most. We try to get all of our properties open to the public, and our website will actually tell you if there's a parking lot and a trail. By the way, what is that? We'll say it several times. Yeah, it's www.conservingindiana.org. Okay. And all of our properties are listed there, and whether or not they have a trail and parking or a yeah, trail and parking lot, or if they have, we'll sometimes say uh, they just have limited access because we have properties that you can just park along the side of the road and just go explore the woods with no trail, no parking area. Um, the boundary but you can't go on there. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. you don't have to be a SILTI member. You don't have to ask for permission. They're just open. So that is, I want to get back. I, that's very important, Kurt. This is like a membership organization, and that it, it is, is not necessarily understood by SILTI. The words. So oh, t- <laughs> right. No, no, you're right. So it's a it's a membership yeah. organization. Yeah. You have annual memberships that help raise some of the money, and then what the rest of it's grants. Correct. And is yeah, that and, is and that and we re- we really rely on both of those sources, and and we have members who are giving ten, fifteen, twenty dollars a year. We have members who give considerably more than that. Um, we try to get as many of those as we can because we like as broad a base of supporters as we can get. But really, no. I mean, I don't think any not-for-profit in any business can do without grant money, um, and that's where you get the money that you can really do a bigger project with. Um, you can plan for the future a little bit, um, and the Duke grant is is a great example of one that's focused. So on you just got a you just got a grant from the Duke Foundation. Is that is that correct? Correct. And what are, what and what are you doing with that? Well, I, I know you know how much it is. Yeah, we it's a uh, we just we're receiving thirty thousand dollars from Duke Energy Foundation, and I, and even uh, next week um, we're going to get the big giant check uh, nice. for the for the pictures and stuff. So you <laughs> nice. know, I want to take it to the bank and see if we can cash the <laughs> the big the big giant. What they do, what they don't tell you is that you still have to endorse it. Yeah, <laughs> have a really big marker. <laughs> big on marker. Um, but yeah, we're, uh, we're very fortunate to receive uh, that $30,000 and we're going to, uh, spend that out at three different properties for a few different things. Uh, out in Park County, we have a nature preserve called Mossy Point. It's along Sugar Creek and it's uh, west, west and downstream of Turkey Run. And the main thing we're going to do there is, uh, plant trees. Um, we got a couple. Now, why do you there. have that land? I, Okay. So it sounds like you have it land in a lot of different places, mm-hmm. and it sounds like there's a broad um, variety of conservation that, you know, is there something, I mean, like some lands, we save it because the hoot owls want to live in it. You know, I mean, you know, is 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 it all the same across central Indiana? Is one... Uh, um, land equal to another land we we actually have a strategic conservation plan that guides our work now and we have identified eight particular targets we call them uh, that we think is um, 
really the definition of central Indiana from a natural standpoint. And they include things like forest interior habitat, which is what we're doing at the site in Southern Johnson County, where we've aggregated 700 acres together. Um, we're actually working on that site when we're done, will be about 4,400 acres. Um, there's an, there's uh, actually a, a, the state of Indiana holds an easement over some private land down there that we're, at a, we're about halfway there at that site. And again, the way we work is uh, we're very partnership focused. Mm-hmm. So we're, we don't have to own and manage all these parcels to say that it's a success. We want to work with uh, partners um, to get that success. So that site, out of a, we want a 4,400 acre block that's almost entirely forested. Um, and we're about halfway there at that site. Wow. Um, out at Mossy Point in Park County, that's about a 22,000 acre area Holy we're working on. Wow. Uh, that does have some, and that's uh, out by the state park. And so there's a lot of DNR land there, mm-hmm. a lot of state park land. We often try to sort of leverage the impact by buying up lands that are around areas that are already protected. Okay. The, yep. Basically, the bigger the area, Cliff will correct me, I'm not the naturalist here, but the bigger the area, the bigger the impact. Um, there are species of birds and other animals that can only live within the interior of a minimum-sized forest, for example. Well, the bigger the forest, the more of those kinds of an, uh, flora and fauna you're going to get. So if we, can, if we can buy a piece of property or manage a piece of property that's next to an area that's already been set aside for conservation, that it has a bigger impact. I may have misled you when I, I, I talked about parking lots. We're, we're not, don't let this be a pitch for people to sell us their parking lots. That's, that's the exception rather than the rule. Typically, when we acquire typically property— you get— when we take an interest in property. a property, it's it's typically it's a property that has some significant conservation value. We occasionally do those other deals to try to try to, for, gain, yeah. to generate funds to do those things. Yeah, but like but our focus is on goodwill, right? you know remember that the the very first part of that that mission statement: Silty preserves the best of Central Indiana's natural areas. Yeah. We are looking for the best of the best because we believe those are the most valuable, and they're also increasingly the most rare. So we really want to preserve those for future generations. And there's just an example that I think speaks so uh, well to what Indiana and central Indiana has to offer. And um, there's a, a site, it's a small site, uh, that's a wetland in east central Indiana. And there's a Ball State professor who's been studying it for many years now. And in a 13-acre area, so it's not very big, 13 mm-hmm. acres, that's about the size of a Walmart supercenter. Um, he's found over 500 species of plants. That's more than many of our national parks hmm. that are four, 500,000 acres in size. Um, we, can, we can have as many plants as a lot of national parks in 13 acres here in yeah. Indiana. Now, it's a really special place. <laughs> um, that, that's that's also not the normal. Does it got water running through it? It or? does. It has yeah. groundwater. It has water it, that stays. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's you said a wetland. So yeah. it's yeah. actually it's a wetland that's up on top of the hill. Uh, it's a groundwater wetland. There's so much groundwater pressure that it, the wetlands are actually 40 feet higher than the surrounding cornfields. And that's something that we will continue to work towards the protection of, whether we own it or the state owns it or another land trust owns it. Um, or if there's a conservation easement with a private landowner where we can ensure that it won't be destroyed. Because this is a site that's been there probably pretty similar to what it looks like today for thousands and thousands of years since the last ice age, since the glaciers melted. And uh, it could be destroyed in one day with a bulldozer. Uh, One day it could be gone. So that's the urgency we feel in working every single day to try to protect sites like that. Um, And like I say, that's why we need a lot of partnerships 
that's why we need to work with everybody who's willing to to uh, step forward for nature to protect these sites because with things like climate change and just you know all the other negatives we hear about in everyday life um sites like this we think are going to be there in the future if we just take care of them and yeah kurt tell me about your role on the board and tell me a little bit about the board okay board of directors um, well, the board is, is a changing uh, entity. We, we uh, invite new people to join the board, and people roll off the board after I forget what it is. There's some period of time. Nine years in your Nine out. years, yeah. yeah. It's, it's in yeah. my future, it's so I don't enough. worry about it too much. Um, my role on the board specifically has, has been, I think, primarily to bring my experience as an environmental attorney um, and as someone who has a little bit of background in conservation and in environmental issues. Um, I try to help as I can on the property transactions. Um, I think I also come in trying to make connections with people who can support us um, through through my clients. And I'm, I'm a lifelong Indiana resident. I grew up in Indianapolis. I, I live very close to this station now. I'm on the very far west side, but I've been in Indianapolis most of my life. So that's, that's mostly my role on the board. Um, our board members are a very group. Um, we do have a number of lawyers. I think we have two or three or four. Um, we have scientists. We have a, a university professor or two, right? Mm -hmm. um, we are very pleased to announce that one of our most recent board members is John Bacone, who was the director of the Nature Preserves Division, Division of Nature Preserves in the DNR for wow. how long, Cliff? Over 40 years. Over 40 years. And, wow. and he is an absolute gem, um, nice. brings to us obviously that experience, but also the knowledge. Right. Um, nobody knows as much as Cliff does, but, but John might. I think John knows more than I do. <laughs> so, and then we have, um, oh, we have the former commissioner of the Indiana Department of Environmental Management, who's also been very involved in transportation issues, regional transportation issues. Um, we have a, an investment advisor who helps with our finances. I mean, we have a finance committee, and these are very sophisticated people who help us figure out whether we have enough money to do projects, um, how we manage our expenses, uh, what other sort of categories of people do we have on our board. We have a realtor. Oh, well, that makes um, sense. Yeah. You deal in land. So yeah. will you drive around and like, you know, say, hey, look at that land? We, we, uh, in a manner of speaking, yes, very yeah, much. Yeah, Sometimes we may not be we, in uh, our car, but we are looking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're uh, I'm drive going out with a couple people tomorrow and looking at a property with some university professors. So that's what we do. We go out and go out in the woods and look at plants and evaluate sites to see sometimes if properties come to us and sometimes we go after the properties if, yeah. if we see a property that is really particularly well, valuable you start a conversation we it's will not and, a, and part of that is we start with trying to educate yeah. the property owner if they don't already know about the importance of that site and why it should be preserved uh, so there's an education process. Sometimes the people come to us. Yeah, and so. and you do like maybe add. I know we've said parking lot a lot in joking, but sometimes people can drive in and park and then hit a trail that you guys have created in these lands and see some of this stuff. Yes, right, right. Are yeah. they handicap accessible? We actually are. Are you know we really uh, our nature preserves are not ADA. We don't have any ADA trails in any of them at this point. Uh, we are working on a, a site in Marion County uh, near the Fashion Mall that we think will we should be open in the summer or fall of 2020. Okay, and there will be an ADA uh, parking area there uh, with an ADA path to the White River. 
And, um, but it'll, it'll be, I think it's going to, we've actually had some folks out, uh, with disabilities to let us know whether or not it will be a useful path. Mm-hmm. And, to, you know, we don't want to do something for the sake of having an just ADA to path. do it. Right? Yeah. And uh, we're not, we want it to be beneficial. Yeah. So that's where we brought someone out and said, Hey, is this something that, that you think would be good with this? Yeah. Does this work? Is this enough? Do we need to go over here? Do we need to go over there? You guys probably, you guys probably sweat a lot when you talk about doing changes to a land, right? I mean, you well, guys, <laughs> there's an awful lot of talk I'm betting about. Uh, uh, do we really want to clear anything on no, this land? You'd be right? surprised how much management we do. Yeah. Um, it, it, even to the point that we will have controlled burns on property. I yeah. mean, that's, that's a, you know, some people would think that's a total destruction of what's there. Typically, we're trying to either eliminate invasive species or we're trying to generate the conditions that will allow the native species to flourish. So you have to work sometimes oh, we, to get rid of some of these, like, invasive species. We have how many like, staff members devoted entirely to that, too? Right? Yeah, we have a, well, we have two full-time and two part-time stewardship mm-hmm. staff, and we have hundreds of volunteers that works with us um, each year. In fact, we had a volunteer work day just yesterday. Uh, controlling invasive species along the White River. Yeah. That's a great way to get involved in Silty is to participate in a work day. He says not having done one yet, but I'm going to. <laughs> um, we, any anyone who wants to can come and join us for those. Um, they're, they are hard work. You'll be and again, you can find that all at www. Conservingindiana.org. Yeah, I'll I'll say the W's. You say the rest. <laughs> um, so, uh, what kind of things do you think people don't let's say i want to go out to burnett woods or or any of the other properties and i look at all the trees and all the leaves and i think gee it's really pretty what am i missing what am i what am i not seeing underneath (laughs) the moss or what am i missing what what is it that you want people to see when they go to these places you know the thing is um I don't really care uh, what people see or don't see when they come to one of our preserves. It really goes back to our mission statement that we're, it's that wonder of nature. So for me, it's what will people feel when they go out? Because, you know, I'm able to go out and identify plants and identify birds. And, and some people think that's interesting. Some people would think that's incredibly boring and nerdy. Um, but for me, it doesn't really matter what the name of the plants are or, or being able to hear a bird song and, and know what it is from a practical standpoint. It's do you feel it? Do you feel it inside of you, that awe, that wonder of being out in nature? And hopefully we're protecting sites where you can get lost in them a little bit and not hear cars, not hear planes, and just hear the sounds of nature and kind of get lost in it. Um, so that's what... That's what I really encourage people to do. And it's a different kind of loss than the loss in a state park, right? I mean, because, right? It's a little bit more natural. We don't have food facilities and recreation facilities. Don't have these great big trails and these stairs. Yeah, it's a different kind of loss. I I mentioned I was out in Burnett Woods this this afternoon, earlier this afternoon. That's a site where, to me, the wonder is you you go 50 feet into that woods Number one, I'm seeing trees that I don't see every day, shagbark hickory, um, some beautiful beech trees, a couple of really big oak trees, 
um, many more things that Cliff would, if, if, if you ask, what are you missing? You'll find out if you go on a walk with Cliff, because he will point out all of those details that, that we would never see. But what, what really was remarkable to me about that particular site is you could hear the activities at the Conrail switching yard. Oh. At CSX, the CSX switching yeah. yard there. You could hear the yeah. locomotives. You could hear the cars clanging into each other. And to me, this it's it was such a perfect example of this little island in the middle of industrial activity to the north and residential all around on, on every side. And to me, it was it was the wonder that this thing had been preserved in, in the middle of all of this pressure. And that's yeah. that's why that's why I think we're important. Yeah. And, you know, one of the cool things about Burnett Woods and Kurt use a word there that I think is really uh, interesting because I, I, I think about it this way all the time is this, it's like an island and um, a couple of years ago, I think it was last year um, there's a bee uh, specialist a, a bee expert who found the first state record for uh, it's called the Bellwort Mining Bee first state record for it in Indiana was at Burnett Woods and uh, he's he looked and looked and looked, and he, he does this research statewide. Well, the second and third record for the B was at Burnett Woods. He's still not found it anywhere else. And so it went uh, when that went out on social media, it got slightly viral, as B stories might right. <laughs> don't as get too viral. Story. Yeah. Um, but it, it got out there, and some people were saying, well, you know, is this an invasive species, or is this uh, some kind of, how did this get here, and how did it cross? And it didn't. It's been here all along. <laughs> yeah. It's always been here. We just haven't found it yet. Yeah. And if because, that property weren't there, it would not be there. Right. And then we, and we never know it existed. And is it yeah. the only site in the state where it occurs? We don't know. But it is this island of a natural area that never got destroyed. Right. And that bee's probably been there for thousands of years, that species. And yeah. it's just all the area around it has been converted mm-hmm. to agriculture and then... Yep. To industrial and residential. Um, but to me, that, that gives me hope that if we're preserving these other high-quality areas, what are the next generations of scientists going to find and people to go out and get inspired well, by? Well, and I think about that when you hear stories about the burning of the Amazon, not, the, not that the Amazons, but, you know, you don't know what's in there, mm-hmm. and we're taking it away without giving it its full due because we're ta- constantly learning stuff about nature and what has already been given to us if we could just synthesize it to make it helpful to us my guests for today for the central indiana land (laughs) land trust have been uh cliff chapman the executive director and kurt devoe uh on the board of directors i appreciate you coming out and talking about it and um I think it's an important issue. And again, the website to learn even more or to give is, money uh, or, or to donate <laughs> is uh, www.conservingindiana.org. This has been Connecting Counties. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you coming out today. Thank you. I'm Gus Piercy. This has been Connecting Counties with your host, Gus Piercy, presented by Duke Energy.